we have a treat this morning. Um, it's a very, very good friend and dear brother, isn't it? Um, Dave, do you want to jump up here? Um, it's always a delight when you, uh, you share with us. So um, thank you. Thank you for all the prep that you'll have done for us this morning um, in preparing a, um, a feast for us. So um, let's just pray for him. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for Dave. We want to thank you for uh, just what a precious son he is to you and uh, what a precious brother and friend he is to us. And uh, Lord, we, we just uh, re- want to receive what he's got for us, that you would, um, your word would sink deep into our spirits. And uh, Lord, that it would bring uh, revelation and encouragement uh, and equipping to us as we hear from him. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Right, can you all see the screen? I'm going to move back a fraction. Um, there we go, because I've got lots of, lots of content in today's one. Um, so it's probably going to be helpful to follow on the screen. Right, um, I've given up asking rhetorical questions. What's the point? I'm not a fan of the new pound coin, but then again, I don't like change. I used to, I used to supply, <laughs> I used to supply fi- file faxes to the mafia. I was involved in organised crime. <laughs> you can't lose a homing pigeon. If your homing pigeon doesn't come home, what you've lost is a pigeon. <sighs> Glory. Right, um, so I am following on from what Pete, uh, Peter Gobble brought a couple of weeks back um, on gifts. Um, although he was meant to do gifts, he focused, and rightly so, he focused just on the topic of the Holy Spirit, um, which was just so right. Um, and I believe you've got a date coming up in the future where you're going to go back and go over sort of the half of the gifts that I'm not going to cover. Um, I'm looking specifically at what some people call the fivefold gifts or sometimes called Christ gifts. I'll explain what that is in a second. Um, I've got to whistle through because there's lots I want to cover. Uh, the reason we've decided to look at gifts, particularly fivefold as part of our culture series, is um, that uh, we believe they're foundational to the church, for, for seeing the church established and seeing the kingdom extended. Um, so right now where we're trying to uh, grow the soil that will allow us to extend the kingdom, we don't believe as a church leadership team, wider team, that we can do that without um, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. Okay, we believe those, those are the five gifts referred to as the Christ gifts, and that's why we, we're including them now. Um, and um, we're going to look at... Seven things, my goodness, I've got a lot to do. Seven things to do with them. Um, hopefully, this will be a fairly logical flow. But by the end of this all, I want you to know a bit more about them. But I, I guess my main aim is to convince you that it's all about love. The whole thing is about love. It's about what Pete said just ten minutes ago. It's about us having assignments to extend the kingdom because God is reconciling the world to himself. And this is part of God's method. Okay, so that's really where I want to get us to. So, straight in. First one, the difference between Christ gifts and spiritual gifts. There's a whole bunch of gifts referenced in the Bible. Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, um, Romans 12. 
and they seem to quite naturally split, particularly with Ephesians 4, into apostles, prophets, um, pastors, evangelists, teachers, as what are called Christ gifts. They are gifts from Christ to the church, and the gift is the person. The apostle does not carry the gift of apostleship. The apostle themselves is the gift to the church. The teacher is the gift. Okay, those are the Christ gifts, those five. Um, on the other side, you have the spirit gifts. We're told in other passages they're given by the spirit for the common good of the church. And there is some slight overlap. You can have the gift of prophecy, but not necessarily be a prophet. Okay? Um, you, would, you would be unlikely to be a prophet without the gift of prophecy, but having the gift of prophecy does not necessarily make you a prophet. Okay? Um, the Bible says that all may prophesy. So there's something about a hunger in all of us to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But not all of us have been given the particular assignment of having the office of a Christ gift. And it's not because some are better than the other. It's just, as we're going to look at later, there are all ways for all of us to serve the church. Okay? Um, but that distinction is really important. Uh, why is that important? Um, if you're aware of this distinction, then you can receive the gift God has given you, the Christ gift, and there's a reward that comes with that. If you receive a prophet as a prophet, the Bible says you receive a prophet's reward. So if we understand who is coming to us, then we can ready our hearts to receive them as such, and then we get from them what they're meant to give to us. Um, to receive the person as a gift, next point, uh, there we go. Uh, where are we? Do, 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 do. No, keep going down. Sorry, Ben. I said I'd, I told you I'd help you. Keep going down. Next one along. Good. Um, to honour it and draw on it. Um, we're told that when Jesus went into a town, he could do nothing in that town because he wasn't received as who he was. So we limit ourselves receiving from them if we don't acknowledge this person is an evangelist. This person is a teacher, not simply one who is good at teaching. Um, three, to recognise that these are that the, that the Christ gifts are separate to spiritual gifts removes any sense of hierarchy. This is really, really, really important. To go back to the example of prophet, because that one that seems to cross over, a prophet is not a super prophetic person. You don't climb through the ranks of prophecy. I'm baby prophets. I'm a, I mean a baby in prophecy. Now I'm getting better at prophecy. Now I'm really good at prophecy. Now I'm a prophet. It doesn't. It simply doesn't work that way. It simply doesn't, okay? You can't climb up to achieve prophet status. So the prophet is not better than the one who has the gift of prophecy. The teacher is not one who is better than the one who has the gift of teaching. Okay? They are separate offices. They have separate purposes in the church. And there is no sense of hierarchy. It's not that the prophet or the apostle or the teacher is above other people. They're just serving in different ways. The wheels of your car are just as important as the chassis of your car. But they both do fundamentally different things. Yeah? And we need the wheels to do what they do in the chassis to do what it does and not to compete with each other. Okay? Um, to understand the person is the gift is to love and understand and honour the, the individual. Sometimes it's not an easy calling. So the more we understand them, the more we love that person. 
um, and we can support them and help them. Um, and fifthly, to understand that there's a difference is to remove the possibility of you perhaps wanting something that isn't yours. Don't desire to be a prophet if you've not been given the grace to be a prophet. It's not yours to carry. I'm not saying it's because you're not good enough. I'm saying it simply won't fit you. God has got something else equally as important for you to do. Find out what he's got for you. Don't desire what he's not given you. Okay? If you do want that, then check with God. It may be that you're desiring what he has given you. That the, the, that the desire is genuine. But that will genuinely be recognized through a witness of your own spirit others will recognize it in you and quite possibly some kind of prophetic outward um, witness it will become very clear you won't be left in too much confusion okay and if you're not then find out who you really are so summary the gifts are um, one is the gift one has the gift okay one is a person the other is an ability so then question, next point, what is the purpose of these? Okay, next slide, thanks Ben. Um, this bit in Ephesians 4 is the main bit that talks about these Christ gifts. And I've highlighted the bits in blue to focus on. The apostles, so Christ gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry. There's the big picture. Their job is to equip the saints, not to lord it over in some authoritarian way. And at the bottom... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. I'd like to summarise, in my studies I've decided to summarise, the purpose of the Christ's gifts is to speak the truth in love. And that will look different depending on the gift. The effect is that the church will build itself up in love. Next slide, Ben. As the prophet, as the evangelist, as the apostle, as the pastor, the teacher speaks out the truth they've been given to carry, the church will look more like Christ and therefore be more equipped to fulfill its purpose. And that's what it's all about. Um, they should be releasing and enabling gifts. They should raise other people up if done properly. Um, it's not a coercive, authoritarian, top-down leadership thing, okay, if done properly. Uh, the second thing is that they will point to Christ, not to an individual. They shouldn't say, look at me. It should all be about, as we just looked at in Ephesians 4, building us up into the love of Christ. So they should be pointing us towards someone else, Jesus. If they point towards me, the apostle, then you've got to question, are they functioning properly in that gift? Okay? So, summary. Why, what's the purpose of them? They're here to point us towards Christ by speaking the truth in love. Building us up so that we, the body, get to minister effectively in whoever we are meant to be. Next question, why then are they needed? We already have elders. What's this other tier of leadership all about? Um, so history, if we look back at the Old Testament, the history of God's people, 
for hundreds of thousands of years, thousands of years, depending on your take, they were one people, one nation, one tribe, one language. Israel was one people group. And God coordinated um, elders in that environment. They were the elder men of the town, of the city, of, the, of that family group, of that, wherever you were. The older men were the leaders. And that functioned. It's a highly patriarchal society um, that was that worked. Okay. Um, unity, although not always a reality, was not unrealistic because they spoke the same. They were the same. And then you skim forward to Jesus and the New Testament church, and it's totally different. Now you've got slave and free, Jew and Gentile, male and female. You've got different nations, you've got different languages. This is a radically different group of people and it's going to need some kind of super leadership to make this happen. Um, I would argue some kind of leadership God, with a small g. Jesus. Okay. Jesus exhibits all of the fivefold gifts himself he knew that the new testament church would need someone a lot like him to lead this massive thing or else it's just going to fall apart and so in his wisdom he gave us people who would carry part of who he was to help coordinate this new very different very diverse to try and bring these people together into unity I think the next slide gives you some references. Jesus acting as an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher. We don't need to go through them, but he, he, he is all of these together. So as these offices function, they bring to the church a measure of Christness, which then helps the church, in turn, to become more like Christ themselves. Okay? So the Christ gifts are different to spiritual gifts. The purpose is to build us up in love, to speak truth to us in love, so that we, the, the people, are able to be more like Christ and fulfill our calling and ministry. They're there because we, the church, now are different. So what are these gifts? What is it about apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, and evangelist? What, does they, what do they look like? How do they function? Let's move on to the next slide. And again, uh, we're going to look at four areas for each one um, to help us understand a bit about what they do. Now, before I go into this, this is not um, conclusive. This is not meant to be a boundary condition list. If you don't fall into this, then you are not. There is overlap between them. There is definitely space for your own interpretation. I know some prophets that are like this as a prophet, and other prophets that function quite differently, but are but, but remain fivefold prophets. So it's, this isn't meant to be a hem you in list. This is just to help give some clarity to what these gifts do and how they differ from each other. Let's move on to the first one, apostle. I've given us some very 
kind of br brief seeing up, seeing um, through, out, in, and on as rough ways to give us note the difference. So the apostles seeing up, the apostles there is um, role is to maintain a heavenly perspective and protect the love culture of heaven on earth, keep the culture love focused, allowing other gifts to flourish. Okay, that's how it serves the church. Next one. The truth they speak. Jesus came to create a heavenly love-based counterculture here on earth. That's one of their messages. They're to do with creating this culture. Next one. How they build the body up. They prevent the body from being too task-focused. And with the prophets, the apostles and prophets have some kind of unique pairing in this. Um, they create and guard this love culture and the people in it. They help to grow the soil, to maintain the soil that allows everything else in the body to grow. And last one. Oh, that's annoying. Um, pointing to Christ. The apostle convinces people that they are to release the love of God, which will extend the kingdom, and that Christ will build his church. So like Pete said earlier on, we, our mandate is to extend the kingdom. Christ will build the church. And if the apostle is doing their job properly, then you will feel that. You will feel released to go and be fully you, extending the kingdom, loving people, and then Christ will build the church. People will come in. You shouldn't feel a burden, as Pete said earlier on, to go and must build the church. That was never our mantle to carry. The prophet seeing through. Uh, serving the church. The prophet maintains a spiritual perspective and keeps the church walking in the love purposes of God, bringing direction and challenge when they see this love culture not being maintained. I told you at the beginning that I was convinced this is all about love. Okay? Speaking the truth. What's the truth the prophet speaks? Jesus is speaking love all the time with now and future words. He still speaks today, and he's speaking now, and he's speaking for the future. Building the body up prevents the body from straying off focus, our focus being love. With the apostles, the creators, and guardians of this love culture that they see. And last one, pointed to Christ. The prophet convinces others that they can hear the love of God for themselves and others. Again, this is the one where you can kind of check, are they, is this about them or is this about Jesus? The prophet should be pointing you to Christ. You don't need a prophet to hear from God anymore. The prophet convinces you that you can hear from God for yourself and for others. Yeah? And if they're pointing towards me, you want to hear from God, I'm the mouthpiece. That's entirely old, old covenant. That's what the curtain torn into, the blood of, that's what the cross came to, to do away with. You now have union with Christ. You hear from him for your friends. You hear from him for your community. Next one. Evangelist, seeing out those for the lost, serving the church. The evangelist maintains an outward perspective and keeps the church loving those currently not in the body. Now, this is clearly not to say that the apostle and the prophet don't love. This is this is why I'm, this, there's not they're not clear boundaries, but in general, okay. Building the body. Oh, sorry, speaking the truth. Jesus loves the world and has good news for everyone. Building the body prevents the body from being too inward-looking. Seeking to extend the kingdom and love the lost keeps the church with an outward love focus. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom. 
push the kingdom out. Pointing to Christ, the evangelist convinces people that they are capable of using their own story and life to share the love of Christ with others. You should become more evangelistic around, a prophet, around an evangelist. You'll probably find yourself becoming more prophetic around a prophet. Their job is to equip you. Yeah? Pastor, seeing in, based around the church, serving the church. The pastor maintains an inward perspective and keeps the people in the church whole through love and relationships. And you can see why we need all five of these now. Yeah, because they, they have very different roles. Speaking the truth. Jesus has a plan for your life to show you how much he loves you and that you are significant and valued. Building the body prevents the body from being too outward looking. Seeks to love and care for the kingdom that's been brought in. And there's an order to this. We'll get to that order later on. And pointing to Christ, the pastor convinces people that they can get their core emotional and relational needs met through their own personal relationship with their loving father. I will add, and others to that, but primarily through the father. Again, no longer is there one person in the church who can solve your problem. There is, we don't have the person that will heal you emotionally or will sort you out. Around a pastor, you begin to feel like, I can sort this with Jesus. You are empowered to go and do this yourself. And the last one, teacher. Seeing on. I couldn't really think of a, 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 a pithy one short word for this one, so I went on. The word, serving the church, maintains a biblical perspective on the love culture and convinces the body of how loved they are. Speaking the truth. Jesus has written down how much he loves you because you will forget. Building the body up, prevents the body, oh hang on, written it down. Oh, Jesus knows you will forget how much he loves you, so he's written it down and sent his Holy Spirit. I, think this, I, think, I genuinely think the teacher has a Holy Spirit thing as well on this. It's the word and spirit coming together. The Bible says it, Holy Spirit makes it real for you in your heart. You can't have one without the other, I believe. Um, prevents the body from being tossed to and fro by the wind of doctrine. That's a, a quote from Ephesians 4. Seeks to bring fresh revelation about just how much God loves the body and how glorious he is and how glorious he's made us to be. Pointing to Christ, the teacher convinces people that they can receive their own revelation from the word and the Holy Spirit on how much they are loved. Okay? They are meant to work together. Some look up, some look in, some look out. Some, some see ahead, but when they're all together, they represent Christ to us. And the whole body gets to surge forward in whatever way you and God feel like you need to. You, ideally, you get to be the most you you can be when this happens. Okay? Five. Good, we're rattling through. Um, the effects of the Christ gifts. We've talked already about it being a bit about building the body up in love. But there's a few more bits in Ephesians that we can look at. We're told that there, is, there should be unity of the faith, unity of the knowledge of Jesus, maturity, fullness of Christ, and rooted in truth. 
John 13, 35, by all this people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Essentially, if the, if the firefold are doing their job properly, we should feel like we're more unified, we're more mature, we're more like Christ, we're more um, unified around our faith and our knowledge of who he is, bizarrely. The concept of being unified around knowledge, that's got to take some spiritual action because knowledge tends to divide. People tend to disagree on things and therefore fall apart. So to somehow be unified in our knowledge of Christ and that bring us together, that requires something supernatural. But we're not just standing on what we agree with anymore. We're now standing on Actually, we're one in Christ. So it is possible, even in a local environment like this, regardless of you know, extra local, even in this church, it's possible for us to think differently on some reasonably fundamental things. But that not matter, because our oneness in him is more important. We can have different priorities. Some of us can be desperate to get out there and do stuff. And some of us cannot. But our, our unity in, in, who we, in him, our oneness of the spirit, is bigger than our differences. So and I think another element of, now that we've talked about this already, if the firefold are working properly, you will find outlets for you to go out and do. Because you are being released and you'll also find an outlet to look in and care for people who are already in because you were being released. So unity becomes easier because everyone's satisfied. Everyone feels like they're able to be themselves. And if you're able to be yourself, you're less competitive, you're less grumpy, you're less likely to fall out with someone. The more different we are, actually the easier it is for us to be together. Bizarrely, but that's a, one of those topsy-turvy kingdom things. Um, the effect of this should be Matthew 10. When Jesus was questioned about what kind of... Or when he sent his disciples out, he told them to go and declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. I particularly like this because... This is one sentence that Jesus says, but in my mind, this covers all of society. Heal the sick covers the physical. Raise the dead supersedes the natural laws. Cleanse the lepers affects the social hierarchy of the world and cast out demons is the spiritual realm. You've pretty much got all your bases covered there. He didn't tell us just to go and heal people. That isn't a list of healings. This is a list of change the world. Yeah, and I particularly like this because I'm a kind of I've got an engineer, engineering, sciencing sort of background. These first two here, um, they defy one of the fundamental laws of physics in the universe. The law of entropy states that stuff in the universe goes from order to disorder. From that, things will decay, things will die. Things don't naturally get better. 
things naturally fall apart, things rust, your body ages. There's something written in the universe that seems to suggest that um, disorder is natural. It's one of the most fundamental laws. And yet, these two totally go against that. God is outside of his own rules that he's created. We can exist, we should expect to exist outside of the fundamental physical laws of the universe. Okay? Jesus commands us to do so. We should be changing society in amazing, incredible ways. We should expect to change society with the unnatural, the supernatural. We should expect, as we did today, to pray for cancer and see it go. We should not be bothered that it feels natural that cancer's in a body and for it to come out is extra natural. Yes, that's the whole point. You were designed to be extra natural, super natural. Yeah? And when the fivefold are function together, this is what happens. The whole of society has changed and there's space for you here to get out of the church. Go cleanse the lepers. Go change the social hierarchy of the world. There's space for you here to break the laws of physics. There's space for you to go and research the laws of physics. Go and be a scientist. Go and explore quantum mechanics. Be, be whoever God made you to be, but be it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Second to last point. I'm on time. Good. Um, why... How do they differ from elders? I mentioned earlier on that the purpose of them here is because we have a, a new-looking church. So Jesus, in his wisdom, decided that elders needed support. So specifically, what is the role of an elder then? Um, this is taken direct from a um, Desiring God website, which is John Piper's website. Um, he's a, an incredible theologian. Um, and he has looked and role of the elders, teach and preach the word, protect the church, exalt and admonish, visit the sick and pray, judge doctrinal issues. So shepherd, oversee, lead and care for the local church. And this is really important. In no way does the fivefold rule out the need for elders anymore. The eldership are still a fundamental need for the church, within the church. Paul goes throughout in the book of Acts, wherever he goes, he lays hands on and he appoints elders. But he appoints elders to oversee local churches. The fivefold, by their very nature, need to be outside of one church. The fivefold have a focus on the church universal. The elder has a focus on their flock. Now, obviously, there's going to be some space for error. We're not saying that an elder in a church can't do something that affects more than just their people. This is not hard and fast rules. But in general, your elders looking at and overseeing the affairs of, of their church. And your fivefold are looking outside. Um, next slide. You, they've got to work in harmony. Without the Christ gifts, the we can't fulfill our mandate of extending the kingdom because the Christ gifts are there to equip the saints for the works of ministry. 
So we can't extend this syndrome. You can't go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers without the Christ gifts. But once you've extended the kingdom, they've got to have something to come into. And without elders, effectively shepherding, leading, overseeing, looking after the local flock, there's nothing for this kingdom to come into. You've got to have both. And there is no hierarchy. There's no sense of apostle being greater than elder. It's just a different calling. The apostle does not want to get involved in a local church. It would be too small for who they've been made to be. Your elder does not want to get involved in the church in that county or that city or that country or that continent. That's mind-boggling for them. If they, go, if they start doing that, how are they going to look after their people? How are they going to make sure that their people are safe and secure and loved? Okay, It's not a hierarchy. It's a who has God called you to be? Um, lastly, and I've got five minutes, good. There is a scripture um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where, it's got, where Jesus says, and, or Paul says, and Christ has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then goes on. So there seems to be some kind of order or hierarchy to this. What's the, why is that? What's the context for that? So the context for that is that we're in a part of the Bible where we're talking about one body, different parts, um, each part acting as though in the way it's been arranged or appointed. Um, but all of, the, all of these things here are submitting to a, I will show you a more excellent way, he says as he ends, one Corinthians 12, which is love. Next slide. Um, let's move on. Next one. So the purpose of the apostle, prophet, and teacher is to provide, protect, and present. Okay? The purpose of the apostle, prophet, and teacher are to provide, provide, protect, and present the love culture of heaven that will allow the church to be the love kingdom of heaven. So they create the soil that allows the church to then go and be that to other people. They create an environment of love so we get to go and love outside. Okay? The apostle is skilled at providing and creating this love culture. The prophet is passionate about protecting the love culture. The teacher is able to present this love culture and inspire others of the truth within it. Again, why do they come first? Um, next one. Like in Luke 8, the parable of the, the seeds cast out and some land on rocky soil, some land on good soil. If the culture that is created, the responsibility of the apostle, prophet and teacher is not great, then the seeds wither and die. This, this word that goes out has no fruit. If the culture created is strong, then those who hear in the word hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience up to a hundred times. So there is, if the culture is good, then all the work that we, the rest of the church, do is, is blessed. It's fruitful. If the culture's wrong, it's just not going to work. And we'll, we'll be frustrated. Again, still, why, why first? Next slide. Keep going. Evangelists and pastors are excellent at bringing people into the church. We used to have, I would argue, a church built primarily on the office of evangelist and pastor. The evangelist would go and bring them in, and the pastor would look after them. And that's historically what's happened. And it's great, except that wasn't what we were told to do. 
we weren't told to build the church. We were told to extend the kingdom. So if we build the church on the foundations of the evangelists and pastors, we're missing an element. We're not going to change society. We'll be okay, but we're not going to change the world. Okay? Keep going. We are to extend the kingdom. Next one. We need the, the apostle to see what heaven is doing, to see where we need to receive supernatural love solutions to the economy, the NHS, welfare. If this is functioning properly, the, the apostle knows what heaven's doing. The prophet can, can see the solutions. Next one. The teacher inspires us that this is our role. We then go out with a heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons kind of love. And then the evangelist comes in and they scoop up everyone that's seen the kingdom of heaven extended. And the pastor loves on them, looks after them and kicks them back out again to go and do the same, to go and extend the kingdom. But do you see how having it in this order changes what we do? Okay, And this is a fundamental difference to, I think, how lots of us have been used to um, because this is not how we were raised. So we are changing ever so slightly how we do this because this feels like if we get this right, then this happens, then this happens almost as a side effect. We extend the kingdom, God will, Jesus will build his church. Yeah? I'm going to end there. Um, like, I love what Pete said before I got up. He's, it felt like what he brought was kind of in line with this. There is a role for each of us to play. There is something that God's put on our hearts. And Pete's prayer was that we don't feel burdened by it. And this fits in perfectly with this. Whether you are a prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, and that is your calling, or whether you're not, is it doesn't matter. What matters is that you get to be the best you you can be. But my belief, and our belief as a team here, is that you will get to be the best you you can be if we get apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist right. And we're still learning. We're still trying to figure out what this means. What does that look like? But if you feel like this is resonating with you, there's something in you that thinks you are for the church universal rather than just for this body, then come and talk to someone else that you know on leadership. Come and talk to Pete um, and ex- begin to explore that with him because our faith is that these gifts are for today and we want to see more apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists raised up. There's no reason why it couldn't be a lot of you in this room. It's not an extra special gift. It's just your gift. Okay. And the more you are, the more everyone else will get to be them. Right. Bless you. Go collect your children. Thank you very much.